Bittersweet to see your face, Tori, because I I shouldn't be here right now. I was at Hedgebrook having an amazing time, uh, being in community with nature, with these brilliant writer women, and um, and then I got a phone call, and um, I had learned that my stepfather uh, very unexpectedly passed away. And so I had to cut my stay at Hedgebrook short because I had to rush home because I didn't want anybody else to tell my kids that their grandpa had died. And so, and getting, getting to Hedgebrook is, is not, you know, it's not like you can just, you know, hop in an Uber from the airport and go. Like, it's a whole thing. There are shuttles. There's a ferry. <laughs> um... Yeah, so so I had to get back, and I didn't want anybody to tell. So I was like, "Oh no, I I have to be," because you know, social media, like people post stuff, and um, oh yeah, I was I was very much like racing against time because uh, um, my kids are really close to their grandpa, and um, so I came home and didn't didn't complete the thing that I had hoped to complete while I was at Hedgebrook. Um, but I have to say, dude. Shout out to the women of Hedgebrook. Um, the staff was incredible and super accommodating. And my cohort, I mean, just like wonderful people. It, it truly is a magical place. There's no great ideal place to get that kind of news. But um, as as they told me time and time again, Hedgebrook holds grief really well. And so um, I, I, I am very glad that I was there. Um, I am, I'm sad that I didn't get to spend my time there, but just given how my children reacted when I told them the news, like I was, I was really, I felt very affirmed by my choice to, to cut that time short. But it is truly, I don't want to give anything away. You know, Thelma Verada de Castro, our friend, (laughs) she has been to Hedgebrook, I think three times. And she, she was like, she just didn't want to give the magic away when I was asking her probing questions because I was very nervous about going, right? Me and nature, not really, not really a thing for me, right? And so, uh, I'm glad that she didn't give too much away, but I was just, it was shockingly, tremendously magical. And, um, and I was working on a Little Red Riding Hood project there were there was a lot of synchronicity i will say um in in all the best ways so um yeah so here i am now and um the the good news is Tori. oh here's something i don't know if i told you this i don't think i told shared this with you before but um you are now as i was at the airport waiting for my flight and it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed to come home um i learned that i passed <laughs> my qualifying exam so you are now looking at a phd candidate 
Congratulations! Oh Thank my you. gosh! Wow! Oh, Mabel, just listening I know. to all of the things that you just shared—what a roller coaster! Just yes. of <laughs> life and emotions and everything is the gamut, right? Of of high yeah. highs and and like the the saddest news, the news that you don't want to get. But I'm so glad you were in a safe space surrounded by beauty and other artists who could, you know, envelop you in that warmth and wow. And you know, Hedgebrook is hard to get into, so kudos to you for that too. And all of your accomplishments. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited for your PhD. And then <laughs> on the flip side of that, I'm I'm just I've been thinking of your family and you know I, I stand with you in grief. Um, Tom was a he was he was he a character. Was I just I enjoyed really, him so much. I just keep thinking about all of the funny things. All of the great he was a marvelous storyteller. So he was a professional trumpet player. He was an amazing tennis player. Um, he was this brilliant like had a brilliant mind for calculus and physics. Did you know that he developed an app for calculus and physics? Yeah, like, he's just... Well, I knew he developed an app, but I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when when you think of people who've left a mark, his was in so many different places and so different, right? Just in the few things that you shared as far as tennis goes. and, And I learned from you before we started recording, apparently... He made a mean apple pie. Yes, yes, he did. He was he was quite the baker. He was quite the cook, you know. He um and uh, and that's one of the things that he passed along to us. So he he came into our lives when I was about fourteen. I think that's when he and my mom got together, and um and we hated him, and we were awful. My sister and I were the worst teenagers. Oh my gosh, we were such buttheads. We were we were like. Classic teenage a-holes, okay? We did mm-hmm. not make his life easy at all. And he was nothing but loving and patient with us. I mean, he he loved us so much. And so and <laughs> he wore us down. He wore us down with his cooking and his baking. And we, you know, we just we love him. My my son is named after him, and so um his middle name is Thomas, like Tom, Grandpa Tom, and um, yeah, and so it is. It is. Uh, it is. It's gonna. You know, I can't. Christmas is gonna be hard because that was our holiday. Uh, but you know, but he did li- have like every. He made every minute count and really did enjoy life. So you know, rest in power, Tom. Yeah. Oh gee. <sighs> Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that. And like I said, I really enjoyed my conversations with him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gee. So there's this really weird connection between today's episode and um, and my stepdad, Tom. Um, And I hadn't realized this until uh, I was listening to this episode and thinking about the connection that that dawned on me. So today's guest is James Vasquez, and uh, we recorded the episode back in March. Um, 
and he was getting ready to start directing Damn Yankees. And hadn't thought about this for a really long time, but made the realization that the first time that I had ever seen a show at the Old Globe, it was um, it was Damn Yankees. It was back in the 90s, and Victor Garber was in it, and it went from the Old Globe to Broadway. And the reason I got to see that show was because my stepdad, Tom, who I mentioned was a professional trumpet player, was the uh, was playing in the band for that show. It was the first show that I saw at a professional theater in San Diego was Damn Yankees. And, uh, and yeah, it's kind of a strange thing because James Vasquez has such a strong connection with the Old Globe now. And, um, and at the time that we interviewed him, we were going to talk a lot about baseball. And, uh, yeah, it's just weird. It was, it's, this is an unplanned synchronicity, but, um, it's kind of something really cool. Today's guest is James Vasquez, a resident artist at the Old Globe Theater, where he recently directed Hair, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and the world premieres of Under a Baseball Sky, American Mariachi, and the West Coast premiere of Tiny Beautiful Things. Additional credits include work at Godspeed Musicals, the Denver Center, Dallas Theater Center, and the Children's Theater. He earned his BFA in drama from the Juilliard School, and he talks about his experience there in this wonderful conversation. So without further ado, let's hear our conversation with James Vasquez. James, it's so it's so great to see you. So everyone, we we're so lucky today to have James Vasquez joining us on Hey Playwright. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Let's just dive right in because the the time goes quickly. So James, how did you get started in theater? Oh my gosh, you know my um, I, I'm very lucky in that I have a, a father who is um, among many things a a teacher, a baseball coach, uh, but also a poet. Um, and so it, uh, as young as I can remember, we were having uh, poetry readings in our living room here in Kearney Mesa. Um, you know, and we didn't have, we were, he was such an artist that we didn't have furniture. We had pillows and bean bags and, you know, so at, at three, four, five years old, I remember our tiny little apartment being full of all these artists sitting on pillows, just reading uh, some would bring instruments and sing. Others would, uh, on our tiny patio in the backyard, we'd open the curtains and they would dance. Um, so from the earliest age, the arts were just in my life. Um, and then in kindergarten, uh, my best friend um, was doing commercials in kindergarten. And oh he God. was, uh, at like six, seven years old, he was already an award-winning Irish dancer. So I, I um, would go see his shows. You know, he was doing shows at six, seven, eight. Uh, and one day, the uh, Catholic school we went to said, for the Christmas pageant, we're auditioning for the angel, and the angel will get a solo. I was gonna get that part. I got third camel. And my best friend, who had been working since he was four, got the angel. Um, but uh, but that was it. You know, it was it was really my my father and and the folks he surrounded me with, um, and my childhood best friend. Uh, I I did my first youth theater show when I was nine. Um, 
Uh, I got my first pair of tap shoes when I was 12 um, and broke my father's heart because he was my baseball coach up till that point. <laughs> and I was a kick-ass second baseman. Let me tell you, I was great. And then I discovered tap dancing. Oh. And it was all <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, so truly, truly, you know, uh, they they say you sort of come out of the womb doing it. And I I I think I did. I, I think I, I was wanting to be an artist from the get-go. I feel like you found a way to marry the two, baseball and tap dancing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're looking at the types of shows that you're directing right now. But but what happened then from taking the tap dancing? Where did you go from there? You know, it, it's, um, I mean, bringing us to the old globe. My, my first exposure to the old globe was when I was 12 years old. Um, I went to their summer camp, Camp Orbit, and it um, in the eighties, dating myself, um, they uh, it was a high school program. It was a high school summer camp, and I was actually not in high school yet. Mm -hmm. But the head of the youth theater program at Patio Playhouse Youth Theater in Escondido um, called the Old Globe and said he just turned twelve. He's younger than everybody else, but I I really think you should just give him the shot. So they let me in. And at, at, so I spent the summer at the Old Globe um, seeing shows, working with their resident artists who were there at the time, and uh, working in the prop shop, um, and officially sort of sealing the deal, <laughs> you know, that this this was it. This was – I was done. Um, and it's funny because there was uh, David Ogden Stiers, who, who is well-known for his role on the TV show M.A.S.H., um, and to younger generation for the voice of Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, um, playing Oberon in Midsummer Night's Dream that summer. He uh, was a Juilliard graduate, and I met him, loved his performance, read in his bio that he went to Juilliard, and at 12 years old, I said, okay, well, that's what I'll do. And I sent away for the Juilliard catalog, and for the next four or five years before I applied and auditioned, would just look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's the classroom that I'm going to go to. And that's the, um, you know, and that's it, that's ending. That's what happened. Um, but the Globe, then when I was 15, I understudied a show um, in the Carter, which is now the White, where I'm directing now. Uh, in a beautiful first full circle moment. Um, so the globe, I mean, it's been this beautiful home base to me since I was a kid. Um, and, and really in my high school years sort of solidified the, um, the, the, the choice, the career, you know, this is where I am. This is what I'm going to do. And now I'm still roaming those halls. <laughs> mm. Gosh, I, I loved what you shared too. The, the first thing I heard, and it's something that we hear repeatedly when we interview creatives, is that there was a teacher who, who saw you know, what, what you were passionate about and then helped helped you bridge that, you know, made yes. that phone call and got you in and then finding other creatives when you got to yes. the globe and going, 
oh, wow. And then I just love that you looked at that Juilliard catalog and it's like, what, what is the word, Mavelle, when you- Like you manifested? Uh, no, you manifested. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. No, it, you know, it, it's funny because my first day in New York was the day before orientation for, for Juilliard. Um, I auditioned in San Francisco, so I had never even been to New York. Wow. Um, and it, uh, it, it, New York took me by shock. I was like, uh, where am I? What am I doing? But I had flipped through that catalog so much that it's like I had been to the school before. I, I sort of knew my way around the school just from the catalog. <laughs> so you grew up in San Diego. Is that, is that right? You, yes. Okay. And then, so then you go to New York, sight unseen, you go to the, I mean, obviously in the catalog, but like, how was, how was, uh, getting, getting used to New York? How was that experience? Cause I had the similar thing. I, I went, I grew up here and then I went to NYU for, and it was just like sight unseen. I was yes. like, I get in, I'm going, boom. How was it for you adjusting to a very different pace of life and art? I, 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 I think, um, pretty easy honestly um uh after those first that first day of initial shock um because here's the truth of what happened my mom went with me and the dorms at juilliard we were the first class to live in the dorms so they weren't ready yet when we arrived so we lived at the 63rd street ymca for the first three months of our my freshman year um and so my poor mother had to drop me off at the 63rd Street YMCA and then got in a cab and left, right? Oh, no. And she oh, no. and I was playing cool. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I'm here. It's no problem. She got in the cab on the corner of 63rd and Broadway. And as soon as the cab pulled away, I turned to walk back to the YMCA. And I was on 63rd Street, but I turned the wrong way. <gasps> and I got lost. Oh, no. I, so my my first moments in New York alone, I got lost and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I was lost for about three minutes and then I was fine. But um, I was I was so ready. I you know, I, I look back in in retrospect and I remember watching um, family ties and it was the episode where, uh, Michael J. Fox's character was leaving home. And um, I I remember saying, oh, that's me. I can't wait. I can't wait till I'm out of this town and I'm off to New York City. My mom got up and left the room. And I it, at the moment, it, it I didn't think anything of it, right? Years later, I'm like, what did I do to my poor mother? I was like, I can't wait to get out of this house and get to New York City. Um, uh, of course, she loved it because she loves New York, so she came to visit as often as she could. But um, yeah, I think I was ready. You know, I was ready for that change. Um, I had spent a summer at Carnegie Mellon University's pre-college program. A and so I'd had a chunk of time away from home already. And uh, first thing I did, I went and got standing room tickets to see Cats. And I learned how to second act Broadway shows. And I, I mean, I was like, I'm here, I'm gonna do it. And so I loved New York. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty easy transition for me. Um, and then I got older and New York uh, 
I still love New York. I, I, I get to New York as often as I can. As often as I can. Um, but now, boy, San Diego living is nice, isn't it? <laughs> I, I get on the streets of New York and I'm like, everybody just breathe. Everybody just, just stop for a second and breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, moves at a different pace. That is, that is for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When did you come back to San Diego? You know, I came back to San Diego um, for three months. I was coming back for three months only in 2001, 2000, uh, because I opened Sheer Madness at uh, the theater in Old Town. They opened a production of this play, Sheer Madness. And their intent was to keep it an open-ended run. Um, And I was cast in the opening company, and I said – I need my health insurance. <laughs> it's home. I'll go home. I, 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 three months. That's not a. That's fine. Um, two weeks before my contract was up, I met my now husband, and I said, uh, I went into the producer's office and I said, "Have you replaced me yet?" Uh, and they said, "No, no, no. We were we were going to have your understudy go on for a week and and." get somebody to come in. And I said, what if I, what if I just signed another three months? Um, and they said, great. Um, the show ran for almost two years. I stayed the whole time and oh. never left San Diego. Um, we bought a house. We have four dogs. We have, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I I've been back since 2001 and, um, can't imagine not being based here. Uh, you know, and the world's wonderful now in that if I need, if I have a, I'm, I'm going to Chicago in two weeks for a job. Um, it, years ago, I would have had to fly back and forth for production meetings. Now we do this. We hop on Zoom. You know, we, uh, so it's, it's a, I'm able to be based here and work everywhere, which is great. When you were at Juilliard, you, was your emphasis in acting then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was, you know, it's funny because uh, I work with um, a lot of students now and I get to work with a lot of young actors now and a lot of them um, coming out of Juilliard. So it's it's interesting to hear how the school has shifted. Um, I loved my time there. I thought it was wonderful. I can imagine no other place that I would have, should have been. Um, I was there at the end days of all the original teachers. So I love that, right? I feel like I got the, I got that Juilliard experience. Um, <laughs> it was also really hard. It, it, it was also, they operated not the way the world is trying to operate today. Um, we were, we were talked to, brutally honestly um we were you know the expectations were were really high um i don't regret it i think i think there's a a kinder gentler human way where we're approaching work now um that i i appreciate and i follow i i i think that's the right path but i do think uh my time at juilliard taught me discipline mm. taught me taught me a work ethic, taught me, um, the good and the bad, you know, the, the, uh, 
this, some of this isn't the way I want to be treated and treat others, and I'm going to make that change. Um, and also, it gave me skills. I mean, I, I joke about um, my back pocket and how fat my back pocket is with information because the the people that I was given opportunity to work with and learn from, and then the uh, the school itself, you know, um, when I was there, the, the departments were very separated. Now the departments all collaborate, which I think is brilliant. But um, I, again, I lived in the dorms my first two years. So my roommate was a dancer. So I got to know the dancers. Um, my best friend's roommate was an opera singer, um, actually Audra McDonald. Um, uh, so I got to know the opera department. I got to know, you know, so I, I feel like I was the, one of the lucky ones from the, the earlier days, now the sort of middle days, um, where I, I got to experience and collaborate with the different departments. My God, the people that are still in my back pocket, the information they shared, the stories they shared, and then to watch a lot of them climb, you know, and to watch a lot of them succeed and become powerhouses in the arts industry. Um, one of my really good friends from, from the dance department runs the Alvin Ailey Dance Company now. Wow. I, I, <laughs> come on, I was 14 <laughs> getting cheap tickets to the Alvin Ailey touring and now I call him up and I'm like, hey, you got to answer. <laughs> you know? Um, so it, it, it's it's been an exciting world that I've been able to tiptoe in. I want to talk about, uh, we do, we want to get to the work, but you brought up so many, so many interesting things about your experience. <laughs> what would you just say to a young person about, about the community, like how important community is when you're young? Because it seems like you obviously were impacted by the community that you, I mean, both here in San Diego and also in New York. So how, can you talk to that um, as far as if- Yeah, abs absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting because I think we, we're always told, um, you know, these people, these people are going to be your future. You know, the, these classmates of yours are going to be the people that you you grow with. Um and if you're smart, you will let that be the case because there is something about the support from my childhood youth theater, the ensemble that was there. They're, they're still my friends. A and, you know, a lot of them, maybe two of them from my youth theater days are still in the arts. Um, but these skills go with you. I mean, you know. The, the the skills of the arts, I think, make you a deeper, richer, better human. Um, that they, they have continued to be support. They continue to come see my shows. They continue to be excited about what I'm doing. Then uh, the ones who are still in the arts and the ones from school, I, I collaborate with. I have a film production company with one of my classmates that, and we've made three independent films. Um, you know, so it, 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 
it, uh, I, I've had a friend from the dance department choreograph one of my shows for me. So you, you really, they have, they have helped make me who I am. Um, you know, and I, I like to think that in this world of ensemble, which I wish the world operated a little more as an ensemble, um, I, I like to operate with best idea in the room wins, um, meaning that everybody is given a voice and an opportunity to be included. Um, and I think that's what they all taught me, you know, that that ensemble is important and that community is important. And um, one man shows are fun, but let me tell you, a, a one man show is not just that one man up on stage. It is a whole team lifting that one man show up. And uh, my name might be big on the poster directed by, but my gosh, the people lifting me up is a community, you know? Um, so uh, long answer, you said an hour is, I mean, this hour is gonna be gone in the way I keep talking. Um, the, uh, my answer to, young, to the younger generation is find a community, believe in ensemble. You know, and find those people who do think differently than you. Um, I joke that my favorite answer is no, because I get told no, I'm so stubborn, I'm still gonna figure out a way to get what I want, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm gonna find a more creative way to do it. A and so I love being told no when it comes to my work, it makes me it makes me step and pedal back and be creative and tap into that community and say, okay, what do we do? How do we solve this? Um, that's I, I, does that answer it? Did that answer it? <laughs> Fantastic. Ugh. I was thinking, um, James, as you were talking and just about what your experience was at Juilliard and how you recognized, hey. Some of this is not how I want to, you know, how I want to operate when I, when I exit, because I've worked I, with someone at a theater company who was from Juilliard as well, who was very much the tear them down, make them cry type of person. And I didn't respond well, you know? Yes. <laughs> and so I, it's, it's really, it's wonderful to know that uh, your warmth and generosity and all of that, um, really comes through and I just can only imagine what uh, what a wonderful experience it is for the actors to collaborate with you and all of the designers as well. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, so. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, uh, I, um, I, I, I have to give a lot of credit to my class at Juilliard. Um, I, because I do think that was the old way. The old way of training was boom, boom, boom. Do it this way. Do it this way. No, your P's are sloppy. Your S's are sloppy. Um, I, I mean, I, I, there was one show we did our third year where I almost missed curtain call one night because I was in the bathroom throwing up oh. because my voice and speech teacher was in the audience 
And she had done nothing but tell me that my teas were sloppy. They're still sloppy. They're st I still have wet tea. Um, <laughs> but it, it got to me so much that after I got off stage in my scene, it made me sick. And I went to the bathroom and just started throwing up. Um, but my class fought against that. My class was such a group of weirdos and individuals <laughs> that I think when there were suddenly 18 of us, individual, the school was like, oh, oh, oh we, <laughs> we got to let you do it. We got to let you be you. Um, so I, I, I have to give them a lot of credit. You know, they, they uh, my first name is Pedro. James, James is my middle name. So my full name is Pedro James Vasquez. Um, uh, and I was the young, one of the youngest in my class. I went straight from high school. Um, so I had a lot of big brothers and sisters who, who helped shape me. Mm. Yeah. So, so you, you were an actor, you went through this training, you came back to San Diego. And it's funny, before we hopped on, I said to Mabel, I said, I wonder if James sings, he's directed a lot of musicals. <laughs> so you answered that question pretty quickly with sheer madness. <laughs> but when, when did you transition or maybe a transition isn't the right word because you were tapping into another skill of directing. When did that start to happen for you? I, I um, my mother will tell you that I have always been directing. Um, <laughs> There's a very quick story. You know how every school has spirit week and it, you know, there's like, well, when I was a kid, it was fifties day. Now it's nineties day, know. Uh, <laughs> but know. you know, and like school color day. And, um, I was in first grade and we had future day and it was what you wanted to be when you grew up. Um, I barely remember this though. My mother has the pictures to prove it. I took my grandfather's robe I stole felt from my mom's sewing kit and I cut out the, the word director. I glued it to the back of my grandfather's robe. I took my father's beret, sunglasses and a scarf and showed up to school. <laughs> oh my gosh. So my mother would say that I have known all along what I was going to do. Um, I, when I came back to San Diego, I was cast in The Grinch at the Old Globe. Um, and I, I, was, uh, I wasn't in the original company, but I was actually one of the very first replacements to go into the show. And I was um, not only in the ensemble, but I was dance captain. And the role of dance captain was to restage the numbers the next year. So um, it was lovely because I knew I had a job that next year coming back. Um, and I did that for about five, six years, and it got to the point where the the gentleman who was directing had another opportunity that was a, a opportunity he couldn't pass up. And this opportunity came up about a week and a half before rehearsals started for The Grinch, and he had to pull out. And the Globe called and said, um, do you think you can do it? And I was like, yeah, yes, I can do it. Um, a week later, my name came out on Playbill.com as directing The Grinch at the Old Globe Theater. And it was like, oh, you're an Old Globe. Oh, you directed the Old Globe. Oh, you're you directed the Old Globe. Do you want to direct for us? 
Do you want to, you're, and I was like, okay. So in a weird way, I feel like the universe sort of said, this is what you're doing now. Um, Cause I didn't push for it. It just started to come my way. Um, and I love it. You know, I, 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 I love being on stage. Um, I don't know how desperate I am to get on stage anymore. Um, but I sure love making the plays. I sure love putting people on stage. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the, of the process that now as a director? Oh gosh. I, 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 I love the, um, I, I mean, I, I love the tech process. I love, um, you know, I, I do so much work prior to starting rehearsal. Um, and yet I walk into first day of rehearsal every show feeling wildly unprepared because <laughs> you, 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 until I hear the play read from those actors, I, I'm like, I don't, how's it going to, I, I do brilliant one man versions of the show in my kitchen playing everybody. <laughs> but until I can hear the actors, I, I, I feel like I'm, I don't have, I, I'm not ready. Um, so, so that first read is always really, really exciting. But then the second part of it is I spend months talking to designers about how we make it really start to sparkle. And so I've had those weeks with the actors and then you get to tech and you start to layer in the, you start to paint it all, you know? You start to put the, the detailing in um, and to see things start to come to life. And often, not differently than I had initially envisioned, fuller than I had originally envisioned. Um, and that's exciting. Uh, you know, with Under a Baseball Sky, um, I had very specific ideas of how it would look, sound, feel. And this design team took all of that and then elevated it tenfold. Um, and so that's fun. You know, it's fun when uh, the ensemble gets to really step in and, and you get to celebrate what they do. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about that earlier, right, Tori? As playwrights, you know, it was as comparing us to, to a soup, right? We were the broth. And then the yes. designers come in and the actors and the director and like it just and then you show up for dinner and it's this amazing meal. Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what is it like? What, what is that like for for y'all um, handing your child over for other people to then take and raise? It's it's terrifying, but it's also very exhilarating. That's what I tell Tori. I was like, the the moment before I hit send to whoever is wh whoever needs a script, if it's going to the artistic director, or whoever, like the yeah. the moment just before I hit send, it's like a final. It's like saying farewell. It's like dropping my kid off to college. Uh, you know, it's like this is it. You're no longer mine. You now belong to the world, and we say goodbye, and then that's it. And then whatever happens next is like. I just sit back and and hope it all goes yeah. well. But it's like it is. It's like, but it's you know. I think Tori and I. I mean, I I have I I am a playwright. Tori is an actor as well. So for me, like 
I very much realize that appreciate the collaborative process and know that that it's only the beginning. What I where I end is only the beginning of this of this journey. Hopefully, right? Hopefully, if we're lucky, yes, it's yes. the it's yeah. the it's the beginning of the journey for this for this body of work that is going to um in, like have so many more incarnations as it goes through the hands of the different uh as the community that that is raising this this being, yes. right? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I echo what you're saying, Mabel. It is it's terrifying and exhilarating. Um, and I think for me, it's just that first draft is just the first. That's just the start. I mean, the yes. real the real excitement comes when you get to sit down and have actors say those words out loud, and then the real work begins. I feel for the playwright because it's you know making sure that. Uh, that the play that that all of the questions that come up are answered and that you know and I love collaborating it's it's just such a thrill it's a thrill to be yeah. in community with all of these artists and uh and and I love getting the feedback and then trying to work that in or having an opportunity to look at it in a different way is is exciting yes yeah yeah. yeah. No, it, you know, it's it's interesting because with with Baseball Sky um, currently running it, I, I love it so much and I'm so proud of it. And I I I it, I love that it's in the world and we're sharing it. And um, I mean this in the best possible way. I, I, I feel like it's in the world dangling right now because it's a world premiere and we learned so much in our preview process and getting those four previews to have audiences come in and go, Oh, they're responding. Oh, they didn't respond the next day. Oh, they responded again the third day. And, and, and to get to opening night and have a list of things that you're like, if we had one more day to, <laughs> to, do, to do that, to do, you know, and, and so as you were saying, it, it, you hope that this is just the beginning because again, so pleased and proud of what we are sharing right now. And also now ready to take the, the next steps with it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about Under a yes. Baseball Sky. Oh, okay. So we had the privilege of seeing the stage reading, which was at uh, a, a reading that was for the community, essentially, right? It was at Logan Heights yes. uh, Library. Logan Heights Library. Yeah, and it was free to the public, and it was a beautiful... And Tori and I walked away from that, and you shared with us, and we had a conversation there, and you shared with us how little time you had to put that together, and that was... yes. Wow, what? Yeah, that. Yeah, was a very satisfying that reading. We brought those actors in. Um, I think we brought them in at like noon, <laughs> and we we had uh, about three and a half hours to read through. And what we would do is we'd read a scene, and then I would go back and say, "Okay, here, here, here. Think of this. Think of it. Think of this." And they would take notes next to it, and then we'd move on to the next scene because that's what we had time for. 
So the reading that you saw really was their second pass through the script. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it was, um, I mean, it this play, uh, uh, Under a Baseball Sky um, by Jose Cruz Gonzalez is um, a, about a, a Mexican woman, ageless. We don't know how old she is. She could be 117. She could be 75. Um, but she's lived a life. Uh, and she gets hooked up with this 16-year-old Mexican kid who's gotten himself into a little bit of trouble and um, as community service comes to help her clean up her lot, which used to be a baseball field. And through this hour and a half story, uh, these two find a friendship, find a collaboration, um, find redemption for other things that are going on. Uh, and it's, it, it, I mean, talk about community. It, it, in my, I think it's about many things, but I think one of the big themes for me is it's about remember who you are and where we come from and the passing off of generations. So to see this little old Mexican woman share and give hope and value to this young Mexican kid um, is beautiful. And it, it was um, in part inspired by Logan Heights. Um, and Jose was able to really tour Logan Heights and meet up with folks in the community, in particular one woman, Maria, um, who, who gave him a lot of history. Uh, so to be able to take this, the reading to the Logan Heights Library. Um, I, I mean, you two were just one of the many wonderful conversations I got to have after that reading. Um, we had we had a, an older gentleman come up who who grew up in the community who knew Ted Williams, who you know who's mentioned in the play, the baseball player, and um, who knew the history that we were talking about, about the canneries um, and the factories in the story. So to be able to go to the community, to bring the community together, to share with the community about the community, it, I, I mean, you know, I think, I think the arts are not only to entertain, I think our job is also to be activists. And the activism happening in this lovely, positive, inspirational story. I, 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 I'm very proud. So, and I just rambled again. For no, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I appreciate you sharing. How, so let me ask you, how then in the spirit of community, can the ball keep rolling so that that community could come to see the fully realized production? Yes. Like how, have there been st steps taken to to do that? Because sometimes the old globe, you know, it's can be pricey. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, um, no. Thank you, thank you for for bringing that up because I, that is something that um, I have been working very passionately um, with the old globe uh, on since American Mariachi um, in two thousand eighteen. Um, 
you know, we're the old globe has a beautiful social justice roadmap that we are following. And part of that roadmap is about telling more diverse stories um, and getting those stories and those voices on the stage. Fantastic, right? Now, how do we get the communities that the stories are celebrating into the theater? And then once they're there, how do we get them to know that they're welcome to come back and that we want them to come back? Um, and it's challenging because you, you want to be able to offer them the highest quality work that you can, and that comes with a price tag. You know, to, to, to bring the best designers, to bring the best artists out, um, to keep that facility going, uh, and then coming out of a pandemic where there are protocols and precautions that are being taken, which is added expense, um, ticket prices are not affordable for communities um, and all audiences. So I, I, I um, yeah, there, there are, uh, with American Mariachi and um, uh, with Under a Baseball Sky, I, I think this is happening with Under a Baseball Sky, but with American Mariachi, we, we had family four-pack deals for certain communities. Um, we, were, um, uh, we have looked into grants to try to find ways to um, get a bus at a, a parking lot in a community and bring them, because that's the other thing, transportation to and from the theater. Um, one thing we have been um, successful at, uh, which which I push to keep going, regardless of whether it's just a, um, a Latinx production, um, is uh, bilingual signage, bilingual cell phone announcements, bilingual plaza announcements. You know, it, it's it sounds silly, but to see a sign that says "Enter, welcome." bathroom that is in your language makes a difference and makes you feel like they want me here. Mm. They expect me here and they, they want me to come back. Mm. Um, and that's the, that, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's not always successful. I, I, I have seen the globe be very successful at getting communities in and with other shows, not as, um, they, they, uh, a big thing we push for, um, and again, this is money, um, free student matinees, mm. free student matinees. The, it, it, it costs about 30,000 to $45,000 for one show to get an, uh, to get to fill it with school kids for free. So, you know, get, where do you help? Help. San Diego community. Yes. Help. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's where everybody comes in is if, if you're able to donate and make it specific, say we want it to go to free student matinees so communities can come to the theater. Um, that's the trick, right? That's the, that's the trick. I, I, I look at, um, 
Broadway is going through this. Broadway has had uh, last season had great work by black artists that just did not survive well on Broadway. And, um, you know, I, I, I say regularly that if I were still living in New York, I could not be seeing theater on a regular basis these days. It's $175 to see a Broadway show. I was in New York when you could go to TKTS and get an orchestra seat for $27.50. And that's doable. $175? I go to New York now and I'm like, well, I'm going to save up and see one show. So unless unless we find a way to make it affordable and accessible to all, these stories aren't going to get told. That is that is a that is a harsh reality. That is a harsh reality. But I think that that is why I think having under a baseball sky, it was a stage reading, right? By the way, the 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 set for the production at the Old Globe. When I walked into the theater and saw that, I was just like, that was amazing. And I will say this, James, I really appreciated the uh, the. curtain speech in in Spanish the because I was like oh my god I'd never heard that before and that was amazing yeah and um but having I think the having the the free reading and it was like it was a great reading that was a that was not like you know that was not I'm not gonna disparage anyone but but you put together a, a phenomenal cast for that reading that that was such a satisfying I felt it felt so full that's so completely there that I think that reading um, and having the voices in the audience at the talk back afterwards made that experience yes. so valuable. And so I hope that the glow, I mean, it's hard, right? It's a compromise because you're right. You're talking about economics and versus um, activism and, and balancing yeah. that is, is, is very real. Yeah. You mentioned American Mariachi and we need to talk about that. Because yeah. I was telling Tori that American Mariachi was such a profound experience for me because it was the first time that I had seen a big production where my people were on stage. So yeah. how was can you please right? talk about talk about your your work in that and how that was for you? Yeah, you know, it's um I, I don't think I've said this yet. I, I um uh I, I, I mentioned my first name's Pedro, yes? Yeah, uh, Pedro James Vasquez is my full name. Um, when I got, when I graduated from Juilliard, um, I was just based on my name being submitted only for like Hispanic gang leader on Law and Order, um, like Jose or you know. And I would walk in the room and they'd be like, "You don't look Mexican." So I, I and I, you know, my my dad's Mexican, my mom is is not. I I favor my mom more. Um, though I am Mexican American. Um, we dropped the Pedro, uh, and the moment I did, I started working, which says everything. (laughs) Um, American Mariachi came up and the old globe called me and said, there's a play. We would like you to meet the playwright, um, and see if you're the right fit for it. They sent it to me, um, and it was American Mariachi, and 
my heart sunk because I thought, I'm not going to, I'm not, uh, here's this Mexican American kid who everybody has told you're not Mexican enough. They're not going to give it that you can't do this. I met Jose and Jose and I were like long lost brothers who had been <laughs> reunited. And we just connected. And he said, yes, I want you to tell this story. And suddenly I was in a room of all Mexicans, of all Latinx folks. And I was one of them. Mm. And not one of them ever said, why are you doing this? You can't be Mexican. You're not Mexican enough. Um, and it changed, it, it changed me. Um, and it changed my mission. It changed the kind of work that I want to do. Um, so yeah, to be able to tell this story about a group of young Mexican women trying to be accepted for who they are and their passions and their hearts, um, even though that was not my immediate existence, it was my existence. And um, for it to be a world premiere and to have a voice in how the story was eventually and ultimately told was also a new experience. You know, I had, I had never had opportunity to say, what if we tried or, ooh, that's what if we did. Um, I, I, I think it, it, I've always thought of my work as um, activism through the, through the arts. Um, but I think that shifted it in an even bigger way. Um, I, I, I want to entertain. I want to entertain, but I want to challenge. I never want to alienate an audience, but I, I, I always want to send them out for an act three in their car ride home. I want to have them experience new things and open their minds and hearts. So on the car ride home, they're talking about it. Um, and American Mariachi gave me that confidence to do so, you know, because I got to be Pedro. I got to be Pedro. And, and since then, more and more and more, Pedro James Vasquez comes back, you know? So that, that's what it did. <laughs> it, 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 what it, what it, the intention of what it does for the community, it, it, I am, I feel like I'm living proof of it. It gave me a voice. I, I want to say, because I, I did forget this, um, under a baseball sky, is going on a community tour. It oh, is, great. It, it is the week of, in two weeks, I think, the week of the 13th, um, very minimized, very scaled down with um, um, minimal costumes and set, um, no lighting. Um, it's going to go to uh, a couple of the um, prisons. Um, it's going to a school. It's going to a library. Um, and they're going across the border for a performance or two performances, a two show wow. day. Um, and we're ending the final performance is back at the Logan Heights public. Library. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh On my Sunday gosh. the 19th. So I, I did want to, I, I did want to make sure we, we celebrate that because yes. that is one way that the globe is getting the arts 
to um, to the community. Yes. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And, and you know what I think is really lovely about, about it, too, is because um, I'm in multiple meetings about this and getting out into the community and bringing them in. Um, and one of the things I'm really proud of that we fight for is to not to not take cheapened versions out into the community, to take it out as full as possible. Um, the reason it's minimized is because it does go to uh, some of the prison systems. It does right. go to school where there are limitations mm -hmm. of what we can bring in and what we can do. Um, so in that case, it does get scaled down a bit. But otherwise, it's important to give them as full, the community as full, the production as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a dramaturgical question. Are you really involved with the playwright, especially because you've established a relationship with Jose Cruz Gonzalez? And do you have, um, like, how involved are you in rewrites that are happening? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... Um, uh, it varies, I think, from project to project. Um, with Jose, we have uh, a very open dialogue. Um, and so there's there's a wide open door for me to say, that doesn't make sense to me. Or this, what if we took this and put that there? Um, uh, you know, with, with Baseball Sky... Um, I think it was important to really get in front of an audience and see how the show flowed and see how with a, 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 a full production and not a staged reading where you have a stage manager saying, now we're going into flashback and now we're back in present day, if that's clear and if that's... Um, and again, you know, as I said earlier, I think we learned so much with our preview process with Baseball Sky, that Jose is anxious to get in and really dive back in and start conversation about it again. Um, and then I have worked on other world premieres or workshops of new plays where the playwrights really, they, they like to sit and listen, they like to take their own notes, they like to go off and do their work and deliver pages. Um, and that's fine. You know, I think ultimately my job is to tell the story in the cleanest, clearest way possible. Um, so my intention is to always find the clarity. Um, and if it's a new play, I, I hope there's that dialogue with the playwright where we can say, this needs more. This is too much. What are we doing here? How can we? Um, that's the fun of it, right? I mean, I, I think that's the fun of it is is getting together with your collaborator and tearing it apart and rebuilding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Therein lies some magic. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and Jose Cruz Gonzalez is seriously one of the nicest human beings on the planet. I, you know, again, when I say like a long lost brother that was reunited when we first met, it it's really true. Um, and I have to go so far as to say that I, I think he has that relationship with anyone he collaborates with because he leads from an open heart and mind, and, you know, open heart and mind. And he, um, if he has any fault, it's that it, 
he leads with an open heart and mind. <laughs> and, and um, you know, he 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 takes it sometimes, but man, that man is beautiful. He really, he really is. Um, and just loves his community and 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 wants to celebrate and elevate the community. And I'm on board. I, I, let's do another one, Jose. What's next? <laughs> awesome. All right, Tori, let's go. Asking for a friend. All right, here we go. If you could be a professional athlete for any sport except baseball, oh. <laughs> which would it be? What position would you play and why? Gosh, you know what? Honestly, I, I'm I'm going to say skateboarding and i'm going to throw that in as a sport yeah because it, it is. is um absolutely uh, and i i i mean position i guess would be star of the show because <laughs> <laughs> you're the one riding those wheels. but i i think why it terrifies me it terrifies me i have a nephew who's a skateboarder he's 11 and he goes to those parks and he flies but those moments of him flying, I'm like, I want to do that. Mm. Um, <gasps> James, there needs to be a play about skateboarding. Is there yes. one out there? There's <gasps> well, there there's a there was a, there was a musical that was in the works for a little while. I don't know. Really? If it's yeah. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, wouldn't that be? I mean, it terrifies me, and yet. I want to ride those ramps. Oh my gosh. And I could see it though happening on stage with ramps. Yes. <gasps> right. There's just that element of danger that is so invite. I don't know. It's really exciting. And, 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 <laughs> and right there is the reason why no producer will touch <laughs> <laughs> the element of danger. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, gee. I would love to see it, though. Yeah, I would be biting my nails in the audience. The whole time. I can't watch ice skating. Whenever ice skating comes on, I'm, I, I, I get up and leave the room. I can't watch it. it makes me nervous. <laughs> love it. Yeah. All right, James. Danger. <laughs> do you have a dangerous writing prompt? For, it doesn't have to be dangerous. Uh, but do you have a writing prompt to leave our listeners with? I do, actually. Um, riffing a little bit off of uh, uh, Under a Baseball Sky... Um, uh, and, and then my, um, my come down from baseball sky, uh, I always find that when I open a show, I get really antsy and I reorganize things. So my office right now is a total shambles because I have decided to just rearrange it entirely, but in the process discovered all these little old artifacts from my youth and you know, even thinking about Baseball Sky and the history moments and the photo albums in Baseball Sky, um, wh what is that? What is that item from your childhood that you have to reconcile with? Ooh. I mean, I've got my. I mean, I got mine. It's sitting in the closet in a shoebox right now. Um, and what would that story, what would that story be? Wow. <laughs> I, I, it, it choked me up. 
uh, a little bit. No, really. Those items from your childhood. Yeah. And the stories that they bring up, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Mabel and I um, have talked about this before where I, I do have, I like my things. <laughs> I like my things. And when I hold something, I mean, it immediately triggers all of the memories associated with it. Sometimes it's good to let those things go. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? And move on, yes. Right, and move on. But sometimes the memories, it's just so, um, can just bring up those moments that you have blocked or forgotten in a good way. It can yeah. bring some healing. Wow. Well, well, you know, it's interesting also because um, uh, as I get to an age where, uh my mentors are older and beginning to leave <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and my family is older and beginning to leave. Um, I, I am experiencing a lot of times them saying, Hey, what do you want? Oh yes. You know, which is weird, oh, right? My yes. dad, I go up to my house and, or my, my folks house and my dad will go, Hey boy, what do you want? What do you want? And I'm like, you're not dead yet, dad. Like stop giving your things away to me. You're not like, no, but um, it's interesting because I'm finding the things that I want are like uh, this from my grandmother's house. I took a candle holder that is three little glass nuns <sighs> and you put candles behind the nuns and it lights them up. Stupid, right? You'd buy it at Goodwill for $1.50, but that candle holder sat on my grandma's mantle my entire childhood. So I see it and I immediately go to phoom, grandma and grandpa's fireplace, the nativity scene right next to it, the Christmases, wherever the, you know. So you, I, I don't need money. I don't need the antiques. I don't need the, I want my mom's white ceramic cat that sat on her dresser <laughs> my whole childhood that she got from her grandmother because it sat yeah. on her dresser, you know? It just holds that. a memory. It holds a memory yeah. and it's, it's yeah, there's something special in that. James, it's so funny you brought that up going to your dad's house because I was just at a family member's house and she literally, it was me, my daughter and two other just friends, but she said, and she's an artist and she goes, okay, anything you see, let me know what you want. I'm getting older. <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, my, my, um, you know, I, I'm sure every family's like this, but my dad, I'm not going to give his age, but he's got, he's got lots of time left. Everybody in his family lives until they're like 98, 99. <laughs> right, I, right. I, had a, I had a tia who in 86 was telling me, oh, mijo, this is my last Christmas. She died last year. <laughs> I mean, she had like 42 last Christmas, you know, like, come on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that it's my last, it's my last it's year. My last. <laughs> Enjoy it, everybody. Actually, I do. I do say that to my kid and she'll say, oh my gosh, mom. I'll say, you never know. I could die tomorrow. You know, 
Yeah. Like literally I could get hit by a car. She's like, why yeah. are you so bored? So what do you want? So yeah. what do you want? Do you Put want? a tag on it with your name on it. <laughs> you know what's worse though is when they say, I don't want any of your stuff. Nothing, right. Nothing that I have, nothing that, there's nothing. James, thank you so much. I know we've gone over time a little bit. We It, it was just such a, a pleasure to, to talk with you, hear your story, learn all of the, the I like hearing the stories behind the stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? no, thanks. This was fun. This was fun. I could, uh, um, I mean, obviously I could keep going. So <laughs> I'll have to come back sometime. Oh, yes, there might be. There's going to be a part two. Yes. Yeah. Um, James, uh, where can people find you, your work, learn about you? Yeah, there's, um, you can go to jamesvoskis.com. Uh, and that, um, That'll link you to my social media. That'll give you a bio. That'll give you my what's coming up. Um, there's actually lots of fun stuff coming up for all your Jimmy V needs. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and it's a baseball year. I'm I'm heading here to damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. That's, yeah. I saw that and I went, oh, he, he does a lot of baseball. Baseball. So when you said... Oh, my dad taught the little league and coached me. I went, oh, it's all coming and, and together. Did I mention that my dad was the baseball consultant for Under a Baseball Sky? <gasps> no. No. He, wow. Oh, he that came is in, so um, cool. The cast calls him coach because he <laughs> came in. Um, he taught them how, He taught them pitching stance. He taught them proper throwing stance. He taught um, Laura how to squat to catch. He taught Anna Nicole how to hold the bat and swing properly. Um so my dad, Coach Vasquez, on the show. What? What? A, a, that must have just been so much fun to have your dad in there and he was doing something he loved. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. pretty, it, it, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah. 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 James, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Um, I know that, <laughs> that when we came up to you, I, Tori and I, we just have no shame. So I appreciate you being so wonderful and, and, and gracious with your time. And this has just been such a lovely conversation. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. I loved, uh, I love chatting with you. I love chatting about theater and, and playwriting and the arts and how we can change the world with it. Yes. <laughs> James is such a lovely person. Loved hearing about his relationship with his father and um, and with Jose Cruz Gonzalez. And, and it's cool to see. I mean, another favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's that that relationship is not surprising because you have two generous, lovely human beings. So it like makes sense, you know, that that there's such a bond there. And and um relationship with that work and with Jose has like really like opened him up to like also looking at his own identity and um and making connections there so that is a really cool conversation yeah absolutely and I I love too that he's directed two of Jose Cruz Gonzalez's world premieres and again it goes back to something that uh, echoes previous episodes about relationships and how important they are um and you know it, it there's that staying power and you might you'll keep seeing the same people and working with the same people and it's just really beautiful tori speaking of relationships and yes. um 
playwrights and directors who have formed strong bonds of friendship, um, <laughs> you and I are about to be working on a project together. We'll talk more about it as, uh, as we settle on things, but I am super excited. This piece was, you were the first reader of it for sure. Um, and I think this is one of my most favorite things that I've ever written. I feel like I say that a lot, but, um, this one was really special. It had, um, incredible meaning because of who it was written for, when it was written, all that good stuff. Look at what a teaser. I, mean, I can't say more, but all I can say is you will very much be a part of this experience because you will be directing. Gosh, I'm so super excited to be working with you. Oh my goodness, me too. I wasn't sure if we could talk about it. I would have talked about it in our intro. <laughs> yes, but I, I, I'm very excited about it as well. I love the play. I love the process and we'll chronicle it on our Instagram. That's right. <laughs> we, oh, well, yeah, for sure. Until next time. Until next time. Bye, playwright. <laughs> Bye, playwright. Keep writing. <laughs> hey, playwright is produced by Tori and Mabel. The voice you hear at the top of the show is Freddie Padilla at BK Spidey on Instagram. If you like what you heard, rate, like, subscribe, tell your friends, follow us on all the socials, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.